0: This is a Rockwell Public Radio, your favorite expert chat show, celebrating two years with a new format and the launch of our Octoberfest, an episode every single day of the month of October. Today's review, Miss Marvel, the new mutant number one, written by Amon Valani and Sabir Prasada, with art by Carlos Gomez. It's an issue with a lot to prove with Kamala Khan joining the X-Men in a very controversial way. So, of course, the first third of the issue is a dream sequence. After the very heavy-handed reminder of all the different directions her identity crisis is pulling her, she's off to attend an Orcus summer camp at Empire State University. By day, she lives in the dorm with Bruno, and by night, she sneaks into the sewers to hang out with the X-Men and spy on the Orcus folks running the summer program. As Miss Marvel, she dons her X-Men suit and fights a Chitari who reveals Orcus was torturing and experimenting on it it in their secret lab. It self-destructs and she saves all the citizens nearby by doing her stretchy thing. But they all assume she's attacking because she's one of them mutant things. Kamala copes by playing video games with Bruno and we find out Orcus plans on using something called the Trojan Horse Protocol on her. So for better or for worse this was really just a Miss Marvel comic. Yeah, for all the hype and yes, they are very much shoehorning her into the X-Men mythology. But this isn't an X-Men book. This is a Miss Marvel. Like no, this is the exact it's... tone that all of her other minis start with.
1: Yeah, it's just a Miss Marvel book, and they gave her a new X-Men costume because why not? Brand Synergy. Yep. That said, I didn't hate it as much as I thought it would. I didn't hate it. Um It's not I'm trying to think of how I want to say this. It's not my favorite book I've ever read. But I think, like, it's a good enough job. Especially, like, coming from Iman. Like, I don't know what her history is with writing in general. But if this is, like, you know, kind of a first big swing at comics and writing anything professionally, uh, then it's really impressive.
0: Well, it definitely... I mean, it shows her knowledge of the character. It shows her love for the character. It... It does feel like it's it's treading zero new ground in a lot of ways. Like, there's a position... Much. Like, she even references it here when she's like, Yeah, Emma, I've been through this before. I was hated as an inhuman. and I was hunted as an inhuman. And it's like,
1: yeah, yeah, you're playing this position a lot, aren't you, Miss Marvel? It almost it almost feels like um, Iman finding a way to kind of subtly say, like, Guys, I know. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so interesting to
0: find glimpses of joy because the situation still infuriates me so much. But I love what they're doing with Rasputin 4 and her relationship. I think it's so adorable that Rasputin just happens to come from a future that idolizes her. So, like, she brings mm. her a chocolate bar and Rasputin's like, I've heard legends. And it's just such a great little throwaway line. And the Omega Sentinel is a villain really threw me for a loop. Uh, I'm not sure where I stand on this being. I'm pretty sure the first time we've seen her since Inferno. I think so. yeah, like if this is if this is gonna be her major send off for the Kirkoan era, that feels really weird to me. <laughs> yeah. but so much of it just literally felt like it could have been an issue of of champions or the mm-hmm. G Willow Wilson run. Yeah, the, relation, the the Bruno scene felt right. Bo, or scenes, plural. Mm-hmm. Uh, the her coming out, coming out as a mutant to Bruno felt really organic, and the I just had to tell you. And instead of saying anything, he gives her a hug. Like it was a sweet. Yeah. I don't know. It feels very championy to me.
1: Absolutely. Which,
0: I have to admit, as a guy approaching my mid thirties, the the kind of teen. I don't want to say teen romance, because that's, that's, this isn't a romance scene. But, but like, those coming-of-age teen comics mm-hmm. aren't really as much my jam as they were 15, 20 years ago. But I, this is really well done for that. I enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I kind of had that same feeling. And I don't think it's always necessarily the fact that it's, like, a teen story. Because I like plenty of, you know, like, YA literature and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I just, reading this, I was like, I think this is a fine comic. I don't think that this comic is for me. I am not the audience whatsoever. Uh, so going in with that understanding, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's it's good. But I, I have no qualms with this completely average comic is kind of mm-hmm.
0: my overall takeaway, I feel like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's, yeah, I mean, nailed it. <laughs> Bigger picture. Orcus is experimenting on like aliens and I don't know I I don't know the right way to phrase this. Uh so so earlier so last so in the last like 12 months we have focused heavily on Mr. Sinister being a gene tamperer and a we focused heavily on... Uh, what, was, what was the person? The Peacock Man mm-hmm. doing it. We had Beast. like That was Percy's shorthand to, to show us just how evil Beast really was. was to basically make him the mutant Nazi that was running an experimental prison camp in space.
1: I, I mean, wasn't Graydon Creed also doing it to an extent?
0: Yeah. Are the mutants going to the shorthand of the they're as evil as you could possibly imagine because they're running literal like Nazi parallel camps of torture a little too often
1: maybe I I feel like it's it's definitely getting to being like, you know, that's what every villain is now. That's what all the stories are. I mean if they find a new and interesting way to do it, like the Sins of Sinister story was great. Uh but <laughs> Yeah, I. it's just starting to feel like
0: it's almost a shortcut for them at this point where they're like, we have to show that these guys are evil enough. So, oh, they're experimenting on poor aliens. Like, it just, mm-hmm. I don't
1: know. No, I, I think, I think you, uh, you're right on with that. It, it feels very much just like, oh boy, here we go. We're doing <laughs> this again. Because of course they are. Because they are bad. And that is what bad people do. And, as much as I'm dreading a reset, that might be like
0: the one of the best arguments for always needing to reset the stakes on comics in that like, eventually there's nowhere to raise the stakes. And so you're just hitting the same stakes every time of you can't really top experimenting on innocence for, for the evil bar. There's not much beyond that. So it, right. it becomes a self-fulfilling every villain has to do it kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Back to the positives, Amon. I thought wrote wrote Kamala's family well. That was a big kind of frustrating thing when they uh, announced that that she was becoming mutant. It was like uh, Professor X literally said, "Like you have family now." Yeah, in, in the actual Hellfire Gala issue, and that was so infuriating. So I think that is one way that they. They peeled back like some of the layers of, of effed up that this whole situation was by giving it to Amon who could make sure that the core elements of the character were respected, were were carried through. I thought it was interesting because we were talking about how Emma Frost would have to wipe a whole lot of minds about Miss Marvel dying. That in the scene where Miss Marvel saves the day and all this we see all the students like comments about like isn't that Miss Marvel? Like, Miss Marvel's a mutant now. You had multiple people say, like, oh, I thought she was dead. So yeah. the implication, I guess, being that Emma can only wipe so many minds, which makes sense, but does bring up an interesting thing of when anyone who was at that funeral who had their mind wiped of it runs into someone or like turns on the news and sees an old news story. It just seems like a weird, hand wavy thing to say some people some people remember but the people
1: who matter don't know i, I think it's <clears throat> i think it's more of a thing of like you erase enough memories that it can be played off as a oh reports of my death were greatly exaggerated sure you know oh that was just a rumor that caught on i think it's more of that kind of thing you erase enough that that's the plausible deniability of it all is, is it more
0: than just a wipe like is an actual block so that it prevents that information from coming in later. Even I, I'm just mm-hmm. I'm so curious, and I'm one. I, I what I want because I think it would be really compelling is Kamala to to fight to like be upset about and get like go head to head with Emma over it because it was sort of an invasion. It's not like she asked permission. She just was like, sure. "Don't worry, I wiped everybody's mind." Anyways, do you have a final score on this first issue?
1: You know I. I think it's a perfectly good three. I, that's that's all I can give it to. That's, yeah. It. It. I feel like
0: for me personally, it's probably slightly lower. But there's a chance that for me, when I was into that in that teenage demographic, it would have been slightly above average because it just it seems so perfectly written for high schooler audience, and I, I think it's well done with that.
1: Yeah, it, it's written for the
0: audience of the TV show, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Which I do love the TV show. So don't don't take that me phrasing it that way. Saying I think the TV show is one of the better of the Marvel shows. It just is clearly a PG audience compared to yeah. most Marvel shows. Yeah,
1: it's geared towards a different group. Yep.
0: Whereas we are geared to everyone ages eight to eighty, and if you're in that age group, we will see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> this has been a Rocko Public Radio. Rod can be found at Irrepressible Comics or That Nerdy Papa Bear, and Keegan can be found everywhere online as Bulk Ranger.